Well, greetings, High Point. It's so good to be able to come into your living rooms this morning, especially on this very special day. I want to say thank you, Pastor, for giving me the privilege uh, and also trusting me with your congregation. And I'm just praying that this message will be a blessing to you. It will challenge, motivate your hearts. You know, I kind of, I'm kind of reminded of the the Sunday school teacher. As he was teaching his class, he decided they were going, he was going to get them to all memorize the Apostles' Creed. And uh, so he, there were 12, there, there are 12 statements in the Apostles' Creed. So he got each student, you know, he numbered them. Num- you are number one, you are number two. And next week we'll come back together and each of you will uh, repeat the Apostles' Creed to, to the entire class. So the following week when they came back, the first student stood up, you know, he called number one. And so number one stood up and said, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Oh, very good, the teacher said. Number two, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, you know, and it went down. Number three, the virgin birth, on and on and on they went. Teacher said, very good, very good. He kept calling up the numbers and each one stood up and each of them began to share very boldly on the Apostles' Creed, the statements that they had memorized. And he came down to number eight. And then he looked at the class and, and, and he... He said, number eight. And there was an awkward silence. And finally, one little boy stood up and said, Teacher, the one who believes in the Holy Spirit is not here. So I trust this morning as you are listening to this message, you're all here because you believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to start off by saying this, that the Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood persons of the Godhead. That has to do with the teachings that we receive in the church. Now, let let me just share as briefly as I can, because many believe that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have already received the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20 and verse 22, where Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit after he had died, resurrected, he had paid the penalty for man's sin, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And so people say, there, you see, the moment you get saved, you already receive the Holy Spirit. But he also said, you know, like in Luke, where he tells us to wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endured with power from on high. Now, if they had already received the Holy Spirit, then why was he talking about waiting again for the endowment of power by the Holy Spirit? That that seems to be like a second experience that God wants us to enjoy. Now, of course, when you read the Word of God, you know, uh, people begin to talk about, you know, once you are you are baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, then you already are a child. You don't need to have this second experience. If you look at Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, listen to what it says. Now, I'm just going to give you as briefly as I can three baptisms, all right? Just very brief. That's not my message, but just an introduction, free of charge. Luke 3, 16, uh, John the Baptist says, I baptized you with water. But there is coming one after me whose shoes, shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, let me just share three baptisms. One, your pastor is the baptizer. You are the candidate. The element uses water. Second baptism is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. The baptizer is the spirit. You are the candidate, and the element used is the body of Christ. John said, I baptize you with water, but he is coming. Jesus Christ shall baptize you 
with the Holy Spirit. So now we have the third baptism. The baptizer is Jesus. You are the candidate. Element is the Holy Spirit. So there itself, we see that there are uh, there, there's a different experience that God wants us to come into. And because he is misunderstood, very often he is misrepresented. And, and that's that's why, you know, for example, when I talk about being misunderstood, when you look at all the symbols of the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you, you, you refer to the Holy Spirit, you want pictures, you know, and what they will have for you is the oil, they'll have water, they'll have the dove, they'll have fire. I mean, they, they will have one of these four things to show you this is the Holy Spirit, but this is not the Holy Spirit. There is no personality involved in all these four things. We can talk about the ministries of what these things represent, but it does not bring to us the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. I will send you another comforter like me, and he shall be with you. He, a person. So we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. But this, you know, and, and as I said, he's terribly uh, misrepresented. When we hear the things that are happening with uh, uh, all kinds of prophetic things that <laughs> I call it pathetic things because they are not really prophetic. They just they don't come to pass. We have seen in the past year so many prophecies coming out and believers all supporting and, and, and all saying, yes, you know, there's a prophecy. President Trump is going to win the next elections. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not anti-American or anything like that, but it seems like almost all the prophets are zeroed in or, or they all live in the United States of America. And But when it didn't happen, none of the prophets apologized. I, I think there are only about one or two who really apologized for what they, they had missed God. And because of the weird things that are happening, people kind of want to just have nothing to do with their experience. And they call us charismaniacs, you know, because of the experiences. Now, listen, one of the thing, reasons why he is totally misrepresented is because we kind of interpret the Holy Spirit through our personal experiences. You know, I never forget, I was on this plane and traveling with a group of other uh, people from different denominations. And one of the guys went out and he charismatic guy handing out books that his pastor had written, uh, his main chief pastor, his apostle, and, and uh, handed out the books that he had written. You must read this. And it was on the Holy Spirit. And the guy is teaching in the book. I, I kid you not, all right? He's teaching people how to speak in tongues. When you receive... He says in this book very clearly, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is how you must speak. And then he gives different syllabus. And he says, this is how uh, you must speak. You know, like, ka, 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 ti, ti, ti. It's hilarious. I looked at it. I laughed. I said, this has got to be a joke. This is not the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This is the prompting of the pastor telling you how to speak. They spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance, not as the pastor gave them utterance. Man, come on, Read the word. So because of that, people falling under the power when they, quote, unquote, when it is not the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when I pray for people, I have to put my hand behind them so that they do not fall. You don't have to fall. It's not getting drunk in the Spirit uh, that, that, you know, begin that, that causes people to become amazed. It is you walking soberly in the Holy Ghost that causes people to become amazed at what God is doing. All right, besides that, this is Pentecost Sunday. Let me go quickly into the message. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through verse 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise, and this is my emphasis, like 
a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak. And may God add His blessing to the Word. I like that term. I want to talk about when the Spirit rushes in. And I'm going to use a character who understood the rushing of the Spirit more than anybody else as I read through the Word. Now, he's going to be a very weird character, <laughs> and I don't think you're going to like him very much, but the point is, you know, when we look at his character, we, we can find all the wrong things to say. I'm going to talk about Samson. When I say Samson, what do you think of? Immediately you think, Delilah, all right? <laughs> Man, the boy was a bad guy, okay, you know? But, but I want us to look at all the positive things that happened when the Spirit of God came upon him. Number one, the first thing, uh, first time it comes upon him is found in Judges chapter 14, verse 5 and verse 6. Then Samson went down to Timnath with his father and mother and came as far as the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion came roaring towards him and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and he tore it apart as one tears apart a young goat. I like to suggest to us that one of the first things, the reason why the Holy Spirit comes upon us, listen, there is a purpose in the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because there is a purpose in Pentecost. So the coming of the Spirit, I'd like to suggest, first of all, is to silence the roar of the enemy. Samson is on his way to meet his bride. He's going to have a wonderful union. He's bringing his father and his mother along and they are walking way ahead of him and he's coming slowly thinking about this girl that he's going to get married to. His heart is excited. He's so passionate, you know, man, I want this girl. The parents said no, but he says, no, 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 I want this girl. And eventually he's going on. Let's put aside all the, uh, all the other things that we can read into it, all the nasty things. I want us to look at the spiritual implication. And as he's walking to go there, he's way behind them, suddenly a young lion comes and roars against him, preventing him, trying to bring fear into his heart so that he would stop and not go and accomplish what he would love to accomplish in life. Is there something in your life that you want to really reach out for, but there's this thing that comes and brings fear and grips your heart? The Bible says, be well balanced and always alert because your enemy the devil roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking, looking for its prey to devour. You know, in Africa, instead of building those days, nowadays it's different, it's modern technology, but those days when they had cattle, what they would do is they would grow a hedge of thorns around the cattle. And then they would put a big barrier right in the, as, as a gate itself. But they would grow a huge hedge of thorns around to prevent lions from coming in. Now, what happens in the night is this. The lion comes and he wants to get in, but he cannot get in. So what does he do? He just moves around, moves around, and then he goes. Mm. And the moment he does that, the cattle inside who are 
either sitting, lying down or, or standing, they immediately begin to get, you know, hey, there's something out there. Did you hear that? And they start talking to one another. And the cows start talking to one another, man. Hey, did you hear what I said? Did you hear? No, 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 I didn't hear anything. No, man, you, you must be dreaming. You must be dreaming kind of thing. So the lion keeps going around. He senses there's a little bit of fear. And so he you know, rumbles a little bit more. And oh, now they're all standing up. Man, they, we did hear that. That is so, for real. They start standing up. And eventually, the lion begins to just roar a little bit. Just one. Oh, he, he just goes roar. And, and whoa, now they're all panicking. There's that lion out there, man. And then he roars loudly. And in their panic, they, they stampede. They burst through the Thorn hedges, they bleed all over, they get hurt, and the lion is out there, man. He's just waiting. And that's the same thing that happens to us. We hear things a little at a time. At first we say, no, 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 I will trust in the Lord. I, I'm, I'm, Jesus is with me. I'm not going to be afraid. And then we hear more and more and more texts come in and more messages come in. Facebook things come in. Twitter's coming. I mean, and, and people are saying this and that about vaccinations and COVID and second coming of Christ and pestilence. And we hear more and more and we want to hear some more and we forward. They say a straightforward person is somebody who forwards everything the straight straight away when they receive it. And we do that. We have very straightforward people and we forward these things out. And you know, the enemy is just waiting outside, just waiting outside. I read a story about this guy who's coming down. This is years and years and years, um, umpteen in the 1400s, 1500s. And the story is told about this guy who's coming down on his little horse cart and he's riding it down and he sees this figure standing in front of him and asking for a lift just as he's about to go into a little town. And, and the figure begins to talk to him and says, would you please take me in? And this man says, who are you? And the figure replies, I am cholera. And a man panics because he knows what cholera has done. Now, this is, as I said, 1400s, where there was practically no cure. People were dying by the thousands. And he says, no, 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 I'm not going to take you. And this figure says, listen, there are only seven people in the city that I'm going to kill. There's seven people. If there's more, you will have the power to just destroy me completely. I will give you the power to say the word, and I will be completely destroyed. But I am cholera. So the man says, okay, only seven people, and then you're out. He says, okay. So he puts the cholera in his cart, goes into the city, carries on his work, cholera gets off. And as he's coming out of the city, because now a few hundred people in the city have already died. And as he's coming out, he meets cholera again. And he says to cholera, I'm going to destroy you because you gave me that power. I can now destroy you for killing more than seven. And cholera replies, I didn't kill them. He says, I killed only seven. The rest died because of fear. See, fear can do something to us, especially in this time uh, where the enemy is roaring so loud. Church, I want you to understand Allow the Spirit of God to come powerfully upon you. Let Him rush into your life, especially on a Pentecostal Sunday like this. We say, Spirit of the Lord, invade my heart. There are two ways David talked about this. One, he said, when I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. The second thing he said is, I will trust in the Lord and not be afraid. Which one would we like to uh, be? The one who is 
trust in the Lord only when they become frightened or trusting in Him and never being afraid. The second time the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson is found in Judges chapter 14 and verse 19. Let me just read this to you. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 men of, the, 30 men of them, took what they were wearing and gave the outfits of clothes to those who told the riddle. Now, the point is this. Samson has been tricked. His wife is involved in a whole, you know, scheme and he gets tricked. And garments that are rightfully his. So I'd like to suggest that the second reason the Holy Spirit comes upon us powerfully, rushes in, is to, so that we can retake garments that are actually ours. The garments that we have lost Garments, for example, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, when Adam and Eve sinned, one of the first things God did was he came and made garments for them to cover them, the garment of acceptance. You know, it's an amazing thing that when Adam and Eve sinned, God did not come with, with lightning and, and lightning bolts and strike them. He came to cover them, to accept them, the garment of acceptance. Sometimes we feel like we are complete failures. You know what he did with Eve? When he came to Eve, he came with a prophecy. Eve, I know, you know, what you've done is wrong, but listen, the seed of the woman, your seed is going to crush and destroy the head of the serpent. <laughs> I've got a good word for you, Eve. Even in this moment of great failure, God has got a good word for us. He wants to give us the garment of acceptance. You can be accepted in the beloved. I, I read Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3, where you have the garment of special favor that, that Jacob created for his son Joseph. I mean, you read in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, he gives us the garment or the, uh, of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you having a heavy spirit today? Is your heart sold down because of all that is happening? You know, I mean, in, in our government, in, in uh, with the COVID thing, with the restrictions, I mean, extended again, and well, we don't know how long this is going to go. Uh, is your spirit so down? A, a spirit of heaviness has come over you. You need to, to retake your garment of praise, garment of praise, all right? Number three, very quickly now, Judges chapter 15, verse 4 and verse 5. This is very interesting because, you know, there is a greater purpose in Pentecost than just eliminating your fear. L listen, when he came upon those 120, they were locked in, man, locked in, afraid to come out. Ten days just locked in, fasting and praying in fear. But when the Spirit of God came upon those 120, my goodness, they were totally transformed. Their fears were gone. They went out so boldly into the world. And may God do the same thing for you. Now you have your garments. And now in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 4 and 5, so Samson goes out. This is one of the major reasons for Pentecost. He goes out and he caught 300 foxes. He took two foxes at a time, tied their tails together. He put a torch between them and he set them out into the fields. I mean, you have that right there, uh, the scripture right there. He sends them out and he burns their harvest field. I'd like to suggest to us that the third reason, this is where a powerful reason, is so that we can set the ripened fields, harvest fields on fire. God wants us to be on fire. Listen, the church cannot grow unless we take this word outside of the church. Only then they will come in. We are waiting for people to come in, uh, but he wants to set us on fire and send us out. Send us out. 
When the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, one of the first things that I wanted to do was to become like the preacher who was preaching uh, to me. And, and uh, I got caught up with his spirit. It was a missionary who came and spoke about the mission field. And, and uh, he, he had this anointing upon him, so rich, and I wanted to be a preacher. The sad part about it is many now read the scriptures like this, you know, where you shall receive power and then you shall become a singer, a worship leader, a musician in the church. That's what our emphasis is, which is a sad thing. The Spirit of the Lord is far greater than that. He wants to set us on fire so that the harvest fields can be burnt. Now listen, we are thinking in terms of how I can perform. God doesn't want that, man. Thank God. I've got fantastic worship leaders, fantastic musicians in my church. I, I praise my team all of the time. They are such a good team. And uh, I love them to bits. I thank God they lift the whole level of the worship team in our church up. And we enjoy what they are bringing into the church. But listen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because there is a greater work to be done. And that is to carry the Word of God outside as quickly as possible, especially at this time. You've got so much of time to text people and chat with people. You cannot go out and reach out to them. God has done this deliberately. He's allowed this to happen deliberately. He's judging the world. He's judging every area that people worship. You know, in the area of entertainment is gone. Finance is gone. Economics gone. Politics gone. I mean, social gatherings gone. All the things that we, 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 uh, exalt and worship literally. God has just placed a judgment on all of them and he's saying, listen, this is the time where you go. We're not facing persecution, but we face the same kind of situation the early disciples face. A seclusion, but in spite of that, the word of the Lord grew richly. They kept reaching out to people on a one-to-one -one basis, setting people on fire. That's why the Holy Ghost comes. Now, of course, it doesn't say that the Holy Ghost came upon Samson. But, you know, years ago, I remember uh, going down into uh, London and we were in the Midlands. I was preaching there and then he took me on a drive early in the morning. We were going to have breakfast in one of the pubs that they had, a good breakfast. But as we were driving there, I saw this this house or like a club and, and there were so many of these guys on horses. I mean, nice big horses. And some of the horses were coming down the road, coming to that place. And they all had these nice caps and nice jackets on. And there were about 30, 40 dogs, man, all over the place. I said, hey, what's, what's happening here? You know, what's going to happen? He says, this is a fox hunt. This is a fox hunt. And what's going to happen is they're going to release a fox and, and, and then all the dogs will go and all these guys will go, you know, like, da -da -da -da, come on, guys, let's go. We're going to catch this fox and all the dogs are going to go ahead and then we're going to follow after yeah, that kind of stuff. And so many horses, so many dogs to catch one fox. Tell me. Although the scriptures do not say that the Spirit of the Lord came, rushed upon Samson. He had to have the Spirit of God in order to catch 300 foxes. 300 foxes, man. And then put them together. It had to be the Spirit of the Lord because Delilah said to him, where does your strength lie? For you are just an ordinary man. He was just ordinary. He looks something like me. No, no, I'm better looking. <laughs> Why do I say that? Samson had to be really ugly, man, to pay 
pay women to sleep with him. He had to go see prostitutes. He had to be a real ugly guy. Okay, all right, all right. That's beside the point. High point, all right. Censor, censor. I was to censor. So, uh, he had to have the Spirit of God. And we need the Spirit of God. If we're going to accomplish anything and see the church of God and the harvest field on fire, we need the fire of God, Spirit of the living God. And of course, the last one, and I find the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him is found in Judges chapter 15, verse 13 and 14, where it says this. So they said to him, no, but we will bind you tightly and give you into their hands, but we certainly will not kill you. Then they bound him with two new ropes, two new ropes, and brought him out from the rock. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed, rushed upon him, so that the ropes that were on his arms were like flax that, has, uh, that were just burned with fire, and his restraints dropped from his hands. You know who did this? His own brothers, his own people, the ones that knew him, the ones that were close, the ones that he was sent to deliver them, uh, deliver the Philistines, uh, deliver them from the hands of the Philistines. These were the ones, man, the ones that he cared for, the ones that, that he wanted to help so much. These were the guys that bound his hands. Have you ever faced situations like this? Oh, come on. You know, the ones that hurt us the most are the people that we love the most, care about the most. They are the ones that can hurt us. You know, it's an amazing thing because in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, etc., etc., etc. At the end of it, it says, And to proclaim or to set at liberty those that are bruised. Now, if you're bruised, you don't need somebody to come and say, I set you at liberty. What's he talking about? He's talking about people who get hurt. They somehow get bound. Words, they say, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. Come on, man. Let's get real. Words hurt more than anything. And maybe words have been spoken over your life and word you have received different words into your spirit being. Very often when I speak to people, I said, listen, when people tell you all kinds of stuff, don't let it get into your spirit being. I mean, just listen and just forget about it. Don't, don't let it get to you. Because if it does, it's going to bind you up on the inside. We can be bound by people's words, words that are spoken over our life. Sometimes we allow those words that you are useless, that you cannot do things, that you're not good enough. Uh, why should you be loved? You know, all, all, all these kind of things make you feel so bound, you know, or, or they have placed curses on you and you feel that you are bound. Today, I want you to know that the Spirit of the Lord wants to rush upon you and just break all those bondages over your life. Amen. I'm doing a series in our church taken from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, where it says this, the amazing grace of the master, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That's a message translation. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. God has got so much to offer us through the coming of the Holy Spirit. But you know, we just miss out constantly. I like to close with this. There are two kinds of people that walk into an airplane. Let me give you an illustration. Pastor and myself, 
We are both going to go on a long trip. I pray the lockdown stops so we can go on a long trip on a mission. Flying all the way to Cape Town, let's say, which I've been and I want to go back again. Long trip, but nice trip. And, and we're going to fly. Pastor is ahead of me and I'm just behind him. So as we enter the plane, Pastor moves to the left. And before he goes to the left, he turns around and says, I'll see you later when we arrive. And I say, fine. A curtain is drawn and Pastor goes into that, the left side and the curtain is closed. I come behind him and I move to the right. Go looking for my seat, 49A. Go way back, people are in front of me putting up their luggage, slowly taking their time. I'm standing and waiting. Then I realize I'm 49A. My goodness, man, it's three rows. I've got to climb over two people if I want to go to the bathroom. I get there and I finally get my seat and I sit down and I say to the stewardess, could I have a glass of water, please? And she says, please hold on, sir. When the flight takes off and the seatbelt sign has been switched off, then I will come and give you your drink. Yes, ma'am. So I just sit there. On the other side of the curtain, there is Pastor. He is led to his chair, first class. They carry his luggage and they put it up for him. Pastor goes into his chair. He plays with it. It can go down all the way. And he can even sleep in that chair. It's a lot of leg room. Then immediately they come to him. Long before the plane takes off, man. Pastor, uh, sir, would you like a drink? Pastor says, of course, because he's a Pentecostal, he says, can I have a beer? No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'd like an orange juice. Pastor said so. All right. I'd like an orange juice. And so, oh, he's given a nice glass. I get a plastic paper cup kind of thing. And it's water. He gets good, freshly squeezed orange juice. The food that comes to me is tasteless and plastic fork and plastic spoon where you have to cut through that meat and the fork breaks and, and, and it's tough, man. You know what? Jesus has bought for us first-class tickets. But many of us, when we turn in, instead of going to our designated place, we go off to the right. And we sit there and we struggle through life when the other side of the curtain there is so much more. Years ago, when the British Airways were still flying into Malaysia, that you can tell how long ago it was. Well, I was going to fly over to England. So I got this ticket and I get, you know, and I'm, I come on board. And of course, you know, I'm going to go to the right. And the stewardess looks at my ticket and says, oh, sir. She says, you are in the first class. I didn't know I was bumped up, man. I got bumped up to first class. I was looking to see if pastor was around and he was in economy. No, he was not. Okay, I'm just kidding. So I go to the left and they take me in and they take me upstairs. Phew, boy, I'm going upstairs, man. I go upstairs and they show me my seat. And there it is, just by the window. Beautiful seat. And, and there's nobody beside me. There's another seat, but nobody beside me. I sit there, man. It's so comfortable. They give me this nice glass orange juice and and but it's a nice glass and I drink that juice and the plane begins to take off and and I put my chair back and I lie down and I sleep man tell you it's so comfortable you can't even hear the sound of the engine it's so good to be in first class and I'm sleeping and next thing I know is the plane has landed I get up and there's a blanket over me 
a little apple on my side, but I have traveled for scars. And I come down, my friend greets me. I say, I say to him, man, you wouldn't believe it, man. I travel first class, first class ticket. He says, did you get to enjoy the food? You can get lobster. You can get anything you want, chocolates, man, whatever you want. You can go up anytime, take all the drinks. I said, no, man. I said, I, the moment the plane took off, I slept off. And he goes, what? David, you, you really wasted the trip, man. First class, there's so much in there for you. And you slept right through it. I said, yes, kind of like many Christians today who've got so much that the power of the Holy Spirit can do. But what do we do? We sleep through our Christian journey. God help us to wake up and realize that we are in the first class compartment and we can enjoy the full blessing of Pentecost. Here it is. Three major Festivals that Christians are meant to celebrate. Christmas, Easter, Pentecost. If you could do away with one of the three, which one would you choose? I guarantee you most of us would go, well, we would want to celebrate Christmas. We would want to celebrate Easter, but we could do without Pentecost. But listen. Without Pentecost, you wouldn't really be able to celebrate Christmas and Easter in the way it is meant to be celebrated. So once again, I say, high point, stay blessed on this Pentecost Sunday. May the Spirit of the Lord rush upon you and may He bring the transformation God wants to see in all of us. High point, Grace Church, all of us. We need to have the rushing of the Holy Spirit in our homes right now, individually corporately. May God visit us powerfully. So may the blessing of the Lord be with you, the grace of Jesus Christ, our amazing master, the lavish, extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you. God bless.